Just a short disclaimer before the episode starts. Uh, moments in this podcast, Zoom kind of cut out and it did really mess up with the audio. So aspects of it had to be cut and aspects of it had to be re-recorded uh, for it to align or somewhat align up with what was said. Um, so you'll notice some small audio changes uh, during the episode. Hopefully it doesn't affect your experience too much and you still have a great time listening to the podcast because we do appreciate all of you. But I just wanted to give a quick heads up to all our listeners that some aspects had to be cut out, some aspects had to be re-recorded. And, well, I hope you guys just enjoy the rest of this episode. Thank you. Welcome back to the DMC podcast. Joined by your host, Joseph Cutler, and, you know, my good friend and co-host, Manra Sidhu. This is now episode 37 of the podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about privacy and data governance. And so we kind of thought about this because there's a lot of stuff going on recently about privacy infringement in terms of what we do online. But I thought it'd be interesting to have a bit of an angle as well, talking about personal privacy and personal space and stuff like that, as well as, you know, the techie side that me and Manny are undoubtedly interested in. But before we get started, the definitions, I just want to ask you, Manny, how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Thanks, Joseph. Everything's been really good. I know we spoke briefly just before that my work has now reverted back to what I was doing because I was shadowing someone, which was really cool. I learned a lot and now it's just back to what I used to do, which has been, I think it was really good to break it up like that. So I've been glad I had the opportunity to do so. And I'm just getting stuck in back in my regular role, which I do during my placement, which has been really enjoyable. And hopefully new things pop up like that and more things can happen because it's really been um, a joy, like I said. But how about you? How's things been with you? Things are really good, man. You know, it's my, sorry, it's my mum's 60th birthday tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, happy birthday to my mum. She does not look 60 at all. She looks brilliant for her age. She's the most healthy 60-year-old I've ever met. She's got more friends than I do, man. She's, she's managed to get 25 people on a Zoom call for her birthday. I don't think I even know 25 people. So she's doing bits. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> This guy, happy birthday to Joseph's mum, by the way. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So we're going to be doing a little Zoom online party for her uh, tomorrow, which is going to be really fun. But yeah, work's been good, and I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying things. Feeling a little bit cough, not coffee at the moment, but my throat's a little bit sore because um yeah, been feeling a bit sick this morning. But we move anyway. We keep going with it because I love doing the podcast, so it doesn't matter. Um, but so to dump, jump right into it, Manny, we were going to talk initially about having a private life. And for you, what would be your definition of personal space and having a personal level of privacy? For me, personal space is that an air, like, let's just call it a zone whereby you. It's, it's like going to a club. It's like an area where you have like, people <laughs> bodyguarding it and you kind of pick and choose who you want in and out. Uh, well, you don't really pick who you want out necessarily, but you pick who you want to come in. And it's it's kind of based on the boundaries you have with people, the boundaries you kind of predetermine for what you believe is personal to you. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know really, man. I think that's a difficult one. I don't know how I'd really explain it. How about you? What would you say? Well, I think we said at the end, having, you know, everyone can have can see privacy in a different way as in terms of what they would keep private. Like I am very open with my friends about my sex life. They may not appreciate that. 
<laughs> they may not want to hear it, and they may not repeat the same stuff with them that I disclose to others that, you know, they might not do the same, because to them, that could be something very private between them and their partner. That's fair enough. I like to, I think it's really funny, and I like having a laugh about it, and a joke about it, and it always ends up being quite a funny conversation, talking about those more intimate moments that I have with my partner, because she's cool with it as well. She's fine talking about it. And so I think it's really funny. And, but to me, that's not something, yeah, okay, you can keep it private with your parents and with family members, but some people would say, keep that private to everyone. And so it all depends on how you feel personally. Privacy isn't something that is a, a, a one size fits all. You know, everyone's got a different, le different level of privacy they want to keep. But, you know, in terms of privacy in general, it's just really keeping things to yourself and not feeling pressured to or feeling the need to disclose it to others. But at the same time, this brings up the question, is keeping aspects of your life private seen as suspicious? You know, would you, Manny, see something as suspicious? If someone's keeping something private from you, would you be a bit like, what are they doing there? Well, it's, it's a weird one because I think everyone has an element to themselves where it might be more private or like only very few people really know and i get that but i i think it's only suspicious if it just seems a bit odd like if it seems dodgy then it's a bit suspicious like if someone doesn't want to talk about certain things i think they're more than uh allowed to or even how they, they're allowed to do that kind of thing but i think once i feel like if you know the person well because of something themselves. but you don't know they exactly yeah, they haven't been themselves then then I think it seems a bit more suspicious, but I think there's a, like a common unwritten rule, like an acceptance of, you know, people well, but do you really know them well enough? And it's very difficult to gauge how well you know someone because it's quite easy to keep things like shoved under the carpet as well. You know what I mean? So it, it is difficult. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it, I don't think it's really suspicious because i feel like everyone has a common acceptance for some things to be more private than others but i feel like also those things that are more private than others there's also common knowledge of what those things would be as well yeah i know i know what you mean i get what you mean and are there any things that you would say like is a constant that you keep private so say family problems do you only keep that within the family or do you talk to your friends about that it, it that one's a tricky one because I feel like it depends on the context. Um, there's sometimes where like I might talk to friends about it. There's sometimes I don't. And for me, when it comes to like privacy, it's more of a I pick and choose. I don't really have a category for things that I'd say are private, private. But it's like, would I be willing to share this with someone? That's how I go about thinking mm. about some of the problems I have. It's like. Am I willing to share with someone what just happened? And sometimes the answer is no. And I, I'm all right with that. Sometimes I feel like lots of people feel like they need to tell everyone everything. And that, that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be feel obliged or obligated to tell people everything about what's going on with your life. Because at the end of the day, it's, <laughs> everyone's trying to focus on themselves as well. So it's difficult trying <laughs> to offload all of that burden onto someone else. And two, like, quite frankly, and it's, it sounds a bit harsh, but some people, they care about you, but they might not care enough about what's going on to like, actually help you. So it's difficult, man. I just think it's, it, I, I'm more of a pick and choose your moments and pick and choose the people you want to share those moments or things with. 
Okay, I feel you, man. I feel you. And um, just to ask uh, another thing is, there's um, obviously there's the stop and search thingy that's you know stop and search that's happening on the streets of London, the streets of New York, all these places. And there's some people who have the moniker of nothing to hide, nothing to fear. But to me, it's so much more than that as to why people aren't happy with the stop and search thing. Do you have any any uh, thoughts towards that? Joseph, the stop and search is something which I think the principle of it, and you may agree with me with this, is that the principle of it is something good. We're trying to deter people from bringing dangerous weapons or taking out dangerous items in the public and those people uh, may or may not be stopped. It could be anyone who's being stopped. But the problem that many people have with the stop and search, and this is probably something that you might touch on, is the unconscious biases that are associated with it and people being stopped for certain reasons, which cannot really be explained and with these biases going around it kind of puts the whole system in under scrutiny and this is why many people feel like it's unfair or unjustified that they're being stopped and just for the sake of the podcast I feel like lots of people don't may or may not like the stop and searches because of the fact that it feels like an infringement on their privacy and someone in their personal space yeah, I think I think the main the main problem that a lot of people find that I find is that there's a clear racial bias when it comes to stop and search you know a lot of people all of my white friends never been stopped and searched never even had an inkling of it a lot of people i went to school with who are black who are ethnic minorities have had to go through being stopped and searched multiple times so the problem for them and for a lot of people isn't that it's a nuisance the problem is that they're being racially profiled that they're someone who would carry a knife or carry a gun or have drugs on them purely based on their racial stereotype and they want to and obviously you want to be seen as so much more than just your stereotype and so much more than what the police assume you to be and so it does more than just be a nuisance but it signifies that there's still entrenched racism within, you know, the, the emergency services, the people that are meant to be there for you and care for you. They're only doing these things to, to just be racially profiling. Yeah, people may say no smoke without fire. Okay, but that's still no excuse for the profiling that some people have to go through. Like, I'm white and I've never been stopped and searched ever. And I don't think that's any coincidence. I walk around South London in tracksuits. You know, okay, yeah, I've got glasses. Okay, yeah, I might not wear, you know, the, the full Adidas tracksuit, Nike joggers and stuff like that. But I'm still walking around South London as much as anyone with my mates and stuff like that. And nothing like that's ever happened to me. And so the only reason a lot of people are being stopped and searched is because they are being racially profiled. And I think that's where the problem comes from. Less so infringement of privacy, but more so abuse of power from those who may have it. And unfortunately, that's something needs to be changed. And the people who say nothing to hide equals nothing to fear, usually are people who are white and can't see what the problem is because they can't see the entrenched racism in it. And that is something quite interesting to me that few people can't really see. And I guess if you've never been told about it, or it's never been notified to you, you wouldn't really see that. That's not the aspect you might take. But that, for me, is the main issue with it, you know. And as well, it's an infringement of privacy. And if you're, you know, uh, saying, no, I don't want to be stopped and searched. I don't want to be. That's, you know, this is, I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you to, you know, harass me like that. Then it seems like you're hiding something, when in reality, you're just trying to keep your personal space your personal space. Because people are profiled in a certain way, and there's bias towards it, then I can understand why some people are like, well, the stop and search is 
not really serving its purpose because it's just kind of only affecting a minority of people and it's yeah. and it's happening constantly and when you're coming from that angle I, I wholeheartedly agree with you like that it that's where I feel like it's kind of and I it's like isn't I'm it makes sense why they're trying to do the stop and search but how they're going about it doesn't like it's yeah there's just I a agree. bias there completely there it, there is no motive for them to do it but they just do it anyway and that's why I feel like it kind of goes a bit out of hand yeah it just seems like you know when I was mugged in South London I was mugged by three white guys and you know if someone stopped and searched them perhaps that wouldn't have happened perhaps they would have been deterred from doing those things but I agree stop and search is a useful tactic because there'll be that worry in your mind that what if I go stop and search I'm carrying a knife but for people who aren't of an ethnic minority they wouldn't have that worry and they can go about doing whatever they like and harassing people and, you know, carrying these weapons and illicit things and stuff like that. They wouldn't have to worry about it because they wouldn't think, oh, I'm going to be stopped and searched today. Oh, that might be my fault. Like, I agree with the premise, but I don't agree with the execution. I think, I think that's the kind of solution what we're echoing here. Yeah, man, definitely for sure. And um, I, I never actually asked you, like, you obviously said a bit earlier that you sometimes keep things that may in the common eye seem private but you you're willing to share with your friends yeah but uh, is there anything else you feel like you might keep to yourself and in aspects of your life that you feel like you're not willing to share and obviously you don't even want to say what they are i'm more than happy to just move to the next question because well thing is i'm yeah i appreciate that money i appreciate that but i'm like i'm a very open guy you know i'm a very open person i've talked on the podcast publicly about arguments with my family, arguments with my ex-girlfriend, potentially the arguments with my current girlfriend and disagreements with my friends and stuff like that and, you know, own mental well-being problems that thankfully I haven't had to receive too much. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but I don't really feel the need to keep things private. You know, of course, there's a time and a place to talk about certain things. You know, I'm not going to start talking about my sex life on a funeral or something like that. You know, I know there's a time and a place to chat about it and I'll have a laugh and have a joke. But if the situation's there and it's a relevant story to tell or it's something that's going to make some people laugh or if it's going to be helpful, I'm going to talk about it. You know, really, there's nothing I would keep private. Potentially, if someone's asked me to keep it private, say it's a secret of one of my friends or it's something that doesn't concern just me. So if my mum said, I want you to, I don't really like you talking about this or I don't really want you to mention this, then I'll keep it private. Absolutely. But if it's just involving yeah. me and I've got the consent of the other people involved to talk about it, to discuss it, then it's free, it's free real estate, you know? Yeah, no, you kind of answered the follow-up question I was thinking of. I was like, but when, when's the, what's the fine line between your privacy and also someone else's? Because yeah, 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 something yeah, yeah. else that might be private, but it's between two parties and um i don't know about you like mostly for me it's because I, I i don't i don't want to say like i'm not uh, i'm private but in to an extent it's like i have friends that they know that they can confide with me but they they also know that they can do this because they can tell me stuff and they know that it's not it's not going to be shared with anyone and because i'm like that i feel like they treat me the same way and some people might not be exactly the same and I get that but unless like sometimes you have to make it very clear and be like yo I kind of don't want you to like share this with anyone now I can respect that even people say, bro to this day people still say to me 
I started talking to them. They're like, I don't want to share it with anyone. And I, I know it's got to a point where like they know I won't do it. So then I was like, yeah, no worries, man. Give me two seconds. I'm just going to tell my mom what you just told me. And I just start laughing. <laughs> I make a joke about it now. And they just start laughing as well. It's like, I was like, I'm like, so you know me. I'm not going to tell anyone. And I'll be like, give me two seconds. I've got a phone call coming. I might need to tell that person. And like, I, I just, yeah. But like, in all seriousness, it's, I think, the truth is, is that when someone tells you something, you kind of, and, and it's hard to like, it's hard. I don't, I feel like also people, even though I know some people who tell me that, please don't tell anyone this. I know some people who don't say that. Like I'm kind of one of those people. I don't really, there's very few times I say, don't tell someone something. But when I tell you something, I feel like you should be able to gauge the level of, seriousness or value i put onto it yeah yeah and you kind of like work out you know what manny told me this it might be a good time to say it now but based on how he's talking about it i don't think he wants anyone to know and yeah some people don't like saying to their mates because i feel like also and i i take it as a joke because i get i get it like i get why the person or people say that to me and just anyone in general because you don't want anyone knowing but at the same time it's like you don't really want to be the person who's saying that because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, yeah, don't tell anyone that, please. But also at the same time, I know you're not going to do it. So it's like you're kind of backtracking on, on how you, not how you feel about the person, but the, it's like you're backtracking on the trust of the person. It's like, yeah, yeah, I trust you. I trust you. But also j- just make sure don't tell anyone. But like, you know what I mean? So for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I get that. And I understand that school of thought. Like I 100% sometimes you're going to have to say that. But at the same time, for me, it's always been like, you've told me something, unless unless it's a necessity or like a very, very like necessary for me to mention it, you're not going to hear it from me at all. Like, mm. I am the last person. If someone said to me, I found out for Manny, I want someone to call me, <laughs> I want that person to call me up and be like, so when do you say it? And I'd be like, well, I didn't. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, I- I'm quite open about it. And it's, there's been times where like, some people are like, oh, this he said this one has been untrue but even two when and if it has been true I, I ring up the person I'm like yeah you know what I said I mentioned what you told me um this was the context just making you aware of it so this person might know and they're like cool most of the time it's never really a bad error judgment might be I can't lie <laughs> I, yeah it's just I don't want to big myself up but like it's just one of those things where you kind of just you need a feel for the situation is it appropriate to see it is it appropriate yeah. not to see it yeah. do you feel like the person wants it to be kept private or do you feel like the person would be willing to share that information with anyone else and i think relationship we can move on to this actually i feel like the stronger relationship you have with some people that there's also going to be like puzzle pieces like you're going to have the person you had a stronger relationship you have with them might have more information than someone else so sometimes it can be difficult when friends are trying to help because you might be privy to more information but then you also know that you only know more information because you're closer to them and is it do you feel like it's the right time or place to mention it as well yeah and i think the the part that you mentioned about you're not you know it's an unwritten rule like you can tell when something's meant to be kept private and it's an unwritten rule about when you're going to mention it and if it's a necessary thing like if it's actually necessary not just to get a couple of laughs out 
and revealing someone's secret or an insecurity of theirs or something like that, then there's just no need because that's going to incite just a bit of the other person involved being upset. So I think you're definitely right in that aspect where, whereby, you know, you're seen as someone who won't mention it unless it's necessary. And you've got, and when, you know, when it is brought up, you said that you would tell your friend the context of why you brought it up rather than just, oh, Manny was being a blabber mouth. Manny was chatting some wass, you know, you said it for a reason. There was a context there that potentially the friend who said, oh, I heard it from Manny the guy who you're hoping to keep the secret for, keep it on the lowdown for, knows that you only said it because you had good intentions, for example. For example, if your friend was struggling with mental health problems and they confided in you and you were genuinely worried about them and so you potentially let their parents know or let their sibling know. Yes, they may have asked you to keep it confidential and keep it private, but you may have been acting just with the best intentions for them in mind. And you may have thought, well, you know, this, I, this isn't something that I can help with. I need to tell their parents or their sibling because they are better suited. In that context, I think it is a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult to tell whether it should be privatized or not, because you're just trying to look out for them. And yes, they may not see that. And yes, they may be hurt by that initially, the initial betrayal, but in the long run, it might be the best thing for them. And that's, I think, one of the few times that you can break that. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on whether there's any opportunities at which you can break those confines of trust, but that's what I would say, at least. I think also with what you said, that that's a really difficult situation because it's like, I know some people who t- perhaps talk to their friends more than their family about things. And sometimes, like family might not be as helpful as it might be for someone in um, someone else's circumstance. Like I feel like I'm quite fortunate that like I can talk to my family about quite a lot of things and as well as my friends. So if my friends did do something like you mentioned, it would, I think it would be the right thing to do given how I go about my life and how I'm with, with my family. But I feel like also there's some people who don't have, that kind of connection or perhaps have that kind of conversation like healthy conversation with their family mm-hmm. so it's really difficult to say if, if a family member is the best person to contact um perhaps if you're able to anonymously it might be better because then but the thing is is now the conversation is if you did it anon- anonymously but the person only told you they'd kind of still work you out but i feel like if it gets that bad on the call that the person's told you this, you you have to say like, I, and I'm not saying you're going to have to like give this person options in a way, but I think it's the best thing to do is let's, I'll say to them, okay, if this say they're struggling with mental health, I'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll start talking about it. And I'm like, give it a month, see how things are going based on the new things you told me that you're going mm-hmm. to do to try and make yourself better. If those don't work out, just be fully aware of the fact that I may contact a family member or a person who's a professional and, or, and like, and talk to someone that you know well. And they might say, fair enough, good proposal. I can respect that. But the, the only people I want to know if you are willing, if you are going to do the thing after the four weeks would be X, Y, Z. Because I feel that once you give people options, then they start talking more about what they don't want to see rather than what they want to see. So it might mm-hmm. be like, yeah, uh, someone might say, I'm going to start this new ex- exercise regime. I might start meditating a bit more. And I'll be like, cool, 
yep, I'm going to give you two months, so let's just say. Let me know how things are going. Give me a weekly update. And if it gets to like a month and it's a bit, still a bit shaky, I might have to contact someone and they might be like, cool, I can agree with that. But if you're going to contact someone, can it not be like my brother? Can it not be my sister? Can it be like my cousin? Or, or here's the contact details for someone I want you to contact them. Yeah. I feel like that's the best way to go about it because it, it shows you genuinely care because you're willing to give that person their own time and space for it as well. I think people appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. They definitely appreciate that. And yeah, that's, that's a good way to go about it, to be honest. It's just asking them, well, if you're letting them know that... They, so it doesn't look like you're going behind their back. So it doesn't look like you're backstabbing them. So they know that you've got their best intentions in mind, for example. And I think, yeah, letting them know that if after this X amount of time, I'm going to try and help you out in a different way, but it may mean that this thing you initially wanted to keep private won't be as private. Are you cool with that? And just having communication there is, is key and integral. But I wanted to ask you actually, if someone was to infringe your privacy, Manny, and they didn't quite get your consent, they didn't quite follow you up on it and let you know that this was what they were planning to do, and they just kind of broke your your trust, what would you do? Would you cut them off? Would you listen to them? What would be your approach to take? And what could you recommend to people if they feel a bit violated on that aspect? I feel like with that scenario, it depends on context. There's some people that know me very well and there's certain things if they probably said and they told other people, I wouldn't be too happy if I'm honest. Um, but I, I, the thing is, it, it also comes down to the people that you have around you. Like I, I'm quite fortunate where like I trust a lot of people that I have because I'm very selective with the people I tell things about or tell things to even, sorry, not about, that sounds bad out of order. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so if it's about myself and I tell a friend something, we've kind of I've kind of built in an implicit like you're it's actually a funny a joke actually that I made up recently I have a board of councils I have like a council uh, of people that I go to and like they, they all they all know they're part of the board they might not know they're part of the board together like a board of directors of all of them <laughs> helping me out but they might not know they're in it together but some people know that those people are part of the membership but um I actually mentioned to mate that's why it's kind of funny but it's it's kind of like that where I trust those people enough so that I know that wouldn't happen. But if it were to happen, it, it's a it's a hard one because with those I trust them more, I think I'd give them more leeway, of course, because it'd be like, it'd be like, I know kind of what you're like. I, I, I like to think that I know my mates very well. So it's like, I know why they might have done something like that. But if yeah. they just did, if someone I didn't know well, or if I knew a mate very well and they completely went on a whim and they like, like violated my trust and it, it was kind of like I'm not gonna say it wasn't great for me but it was like it kind of felt like a betrayal firstly I'd be very upset if I'm honest that I can't deny that I'd be really upset I would feel like someone's like taking something away from me which was really important and yeah yeah I would definitely be upset first and I, I would want to talk to the person I just, I, the f- thing is with me, I'm, I'm a feedback kind of person. I always want to know why, like, why did you do this? And I know that's really difficult in society to like try and get feedback on everything. Cause there's some things you really can't really ask feedback for. Cause it just doesn't <laughs> seem right. Or no one really would give it out. Like you can't give feedback for that. What are you talking about? It doesn't make sense. Um, but that's kind of how I like to operate. So I'll just be like, why did you feel the need to do that? Or, and 
and that's what I would I would actually be up to like it's I it's actually kind of happened to me before I don't want to go into details to be honest but something similar has happened I, I I did get really upset and it just it just wasn't a great scenario whatsoever but and I, I felt like someone violated my own like values and like morals but it, at the end of the day it's it's really difficult and it just depends how close you are with the person I feel like we, we are uh, people who if we're very close to those people we might give them more leeway and that's natural but I just I just would want to know why because if, if it was me who provoked it then I obviously know I'm at fault but I feel like that that's the most important thing for, the most important thing for me really is why and I know for some people it might not be. And once I know why, I feel like I would then make a judgment to cut them off or not. But most times I'd perhaps probably have to end up cutting them off, if I'm honest. How about you? What would you, what would you do in that kind of scenario? It's, it's a tough one because, again, what you're saying is about the why. You know, why would they do that? Can they explain it? Is there a good reason for them to have broken what, what I told them in confidence? Or was it just to get a laugh? Was it just for a fickle reason because they blurted it out? You know, did they not realise that this was said in confidence, perhaps? Did I not make it clear enough? But that is not on you to have made it clear enough. It's potentially, it's more on them to have acknowledged that you wish to keep this private. So it's, it is a tough one because they may have been acting in your best interests. And yes, in that moment, you may be annoyed that they infringe your privacy, but you can see the reasoning and the logic as to why they did what they did and why they said it to someone. But if you can't see the reasoning and you literally think that they just did it because they are incompetent or they wanted to get a laugh or potentially you weren't as close to them as you thought initially, then you need to reevaluate what you've got going on there. You need to reevaluate the friendship potentially. But if you can see the reason and if, they say, I'm really sorry, I, I didn't realise you'd react in this way, I was acting in your best interest, I was doing what I thought was the best thing to do in that situation, then you know they're trying to be honest with you and they tried to, they didn't act out of any ill will for you. And that is, I think, the, the, the main crux there, that's the main thing to, to look at, is whether they acted out of ill will when they revealed this thing you told them in confidence. And from there, like you said, you can evaluate the next step, but it is contextual and it is going to be different depending on who you've told, what you told them, you know, the, the context of the situation and stuff like that. That's kind of my thoughts in it. Um, but I think unless you want to chat about anything else, Manny, that aspect, we're going to move on to the more technological half of the episode because Manny and I, you know, we're both tech heads. We both do computer science both in computer science jobs, we both do our nine to five or 10 to six computer science stuff. And we love it. We're interested in it. But that means a lot of our life is also online. You know, if you Google my name, Joseph Cutler, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find me on Facebook, on Instagram. My profile isn't privated uh, against my parents' wishes, but I don't really mind because I'm, my life's online anyway. I was brought up in the online era. And so if someone wants to find something out about me, they can because that's just the way my life has been led. So I'm not bothered by it. I'm a, I'm a online person. But a lot of people would say that is something blind of me to do, something naive of me to think. I, what are your thoughts on it, Manny? Do you have the same uh, chain of thoughts that I do about this online presence stuff? I feel like me and you are similar in the fact that if you were to 
post something online, we're in agreement that it, it's in it's on the internet now. It's there forever. But at the same time, me and you are slightly different. Um, I don't know necessarily why you just said mentioned your parents there, but my account is private on Instagram, and I kind of pick and choose who I want on my Instagram. And for me, sometimes I. I, more recently it's probably been less strict than I used to be because it used to be just people I met in, if I've at least met you in real life I'd probably add you on Instagram and now it's a bit it's a little bit different because you have lots of people who have mutuals and if they know a certain number of people that's when I might accept them um, uh, the Instagram requests but yeah it's just it's just really being selective online really again it, it goes down to the whole thing about now because your online persona is an extension of you. You just have to be very careful when you're navigating online because a lot, like you mentioned there, Instagram, you mentioned you've searched yourself, you're on Facebook, you're on LinkedIn. Like there's lots of people's who, careers that have been damaged because of their online presence. And it is really difficult to try and navigate that as well. Of course, it uh, it's quite easy to say, just don't do anything really like stupid. But uh, th- there's just been times where lots of people have, done things and they've they've obviously got their jobs taken away from them as well so i feel when you when you have an online presence you just need to be a bit you have to act very cautiously and just understand that if it's online it's for everyone to see really uh you can kind of keep it um kind of restricted based on the private settings that you have on these platforms but ultimately whether you like it or not people are going to know because it is online so that's why i'm quite selective with certain things like i, I don't really use facebook i've got a facebook account but it's, it's quite interesting that we both mentioned uh instagram as well there because it's going to go into something a bit different but data governance was what i wanted to talk about as well whereby data governance just means that what companies or corporations have data of you and it's funny, like I said, about Instagram and Facebook, because it's owned by the same CEO. They, the governance of your information for Facebook, Instagram, and even WhatsApp now is owned by the same person. And then you, these are the kind of questions you need to ask. It's like, did that kind of data you hold with these companies, do you trust them? Do you, do you feel like they're doing stuff that's morally correct? And it, there's a lot of layers to it, really. Um but yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about, Joseph. Like, was uh, there's a little bit of chatter going around, especially more in the US than the UK, because our privacy law, privacy laws are a bit different. But recently, at the time of, the, of this recording, WhatsApp and Facebook had a new integration whereby it will be able to WhatsApp will be able to provide more personal information to WhatsApp. Uh, sorry, WhatsApp will be able to provide more personal information to Facebook if you're contacted by someone who has WhatsApp integrated to their Facebook, I think, or Facebook services. So that means that they'll be able to have more targeted ads. And I wanted to ask about that and what your thoughts are on that. Obviously, I know it doesn't affect us that much because obviously in the UK, but then there was something recently where there's a resurgence of people moving over to Telegram and Signal because they're supposed to be more private platforms because they're end-to-end encrypted. Well, for me, it's... I may be naive in thinking that it's it's for targeted ads and that's where it stops, you know, because these companies are, you know, they're limited by the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. And I studied this for part of my course and I'd like to think that I'm a bit clued up with it. They're legally bound by the GDPR and that in there 
has got a list of things that must happen when data is collected. You know, it must not be distributed without noble reason and it must be distributed sensitively. And if any reason is found that it's distributed illicitly for no reason, or the big one for me is that it can't be kept for a longer than a certain amount of time that is agreed by the client and the company. And if it's kept longer than that time, it needs to be destroyed. For example, your my information in my school's registration system needs to be got rid of after three years after me graduating from there because A, it's no longer relevant, I'm no longer at that school, and B, for data protection reasons. There are those things, for, and the WhatsApp and Facebook um, new collaboration, that's only said, they've only stated they're using that for targeted ads. Now, the more cynical people would say that that's used so they can spy on us, so they can look at the population. And a lot of people dismiss this as uh, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just theories, conspiracies. And some people would be like, oh, well, I don't really care because it's just for targeted ads. They're not harboring any proper information. They're not looking at my messages, this and that and stuff like that. It's whether these conspiracy theorists are correct is what's making people a bit more on edge, whether, you know, okay, yes, they've got my data. And yes, they're saying that it's for targeted ads only, but what if it isn't? What if there's something a bit more seedy going on there? Something that, you know, isn't too good that's going on. For example, with the, the whole data collection and with Cambridge Analytica to sway the British election, that was a quite controversial a few years back. That was without consent of a lot of people or potentially, I don't quite know, but it was, may have been the terms of service. No one reads the terms of service. So they would have just agreed to it blindly and mindlessly and so information was given to Cambridge Analytica to then have targeted ads to try and sway people's election votes to try and get a certain government into power. Now that is a conspiracy theory that ended up becoming true. And as a result of that one becoming true, people are now more open to thinking, well, if this big company has got my data, they can do anything they want with it. They can read my messages. But for me, because everything's online, I already assume that my messages can be read, you know? Who's to say Signal and Telegram don't read your messages anyway? They could just advertise themselves as not reading it. You would believe them and they could be reading it no matter what and just be better at hiding the fact that they're distributing your data. You can never truly know what they're actually doing. And so for me, I'm unbothered. Can I do anything about it? No, not really. If I change from WhatsApp to Signal, what can they, what, what, what good does that do if I'm not certain that my data won't be read? The only time your data is not going to be read is when you're talking to someone face to face and no one's around listening. That's the only time you're 100% certain. If it's online, someone, if they try hard enough, can access it. And for me, that's the, that's the reason why I'm, on, I'm not that bothered by it. And I know a lot of people may be, but at the end of the day, if something's online, something sent over the internet via TCP, UDP, whatever you may use, it can be seen. That's just kind of my outlook on it, Manny. No, fair enough. And I, I just want to, actually, um, I counter one of your points by saying the reason why people trust Telegram and Signal, and I'm saying more Signal than Telegram because I, I haven't seen, too, I don't really understand Telegram too much, I haven't looked into it, but Basically, WhatsApp have end-to-end -end encrypted messages. It does tell you that, but that's only applicable when you message an individual. So if I was messaging you on WhatsApp, it's end-to-end -end encrypted. 
the only way that someone was able to get our messages, I think, is because you know it's hosted on the cloud, these messages. Someone mm-hmm. could interfere that uh, message being sent over the cloud. Um, but it's encrypted when it gets to your device. The reason why I want to like go against what you're saying, with I get where you're coming from when you say you're not 100% sure about these companies, but just a bit of context on Signal, because I've just done a bit of research. The person who sold WhatsApp, I think the co-owner, he's working with Signal because he, ke- he didn't want to work with Facebook on WhatsApp anymore. And also, uh, Signal is, some other people are involved in it. I actually watched, I forgot his name. I feel really bad now, I actually forgot his name, but he's this <laughs> really cool guy. He's on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about it. Mm. And because he, he was like another owner of it, basically, he's been writing up the code, I think. Or he, he owns it and he codes, I can't remember what he does, but he's basically a part owner. Um, furthermore, they're a non-profit. That company is a non-profit. They, they literally made the application because they care about this encryption process and he was explaining it. So based on what he was talking about, I don't think those, uh, that app itself uses any of the data stuff, but I get where you're coming from where people are skeptical, but then also the skepticism kind of has to come to a stop because if you're really skeptical about all these things, then I feel like you wouldn't do anything really in the world. Like it'd be so difficult to like do like, I'm not going to Google this because Google can never start tracking me down like, <laughs> things like this. And, yeah, Google perhaps is one of the largest companies in the world, which has a lot of data collection because they probably have all your things that you've searched in their database. But ultimately, I feel like once you, I, you once you kind of decide to use something, you have to also understand the sacrifices you're willing to make. Like, let's be honest, would you be willing to sacrifice not using Google and perhaps using Bing or DuckDuckGo instead? to forego the fact that your da- your data is being collected by Google. And with some people, that is the case. And uh, funnily enough, I've actually set up a separate browser, et cetera, to not have Google as my, my search engine, but it just as a backup anyway, just in case if I need to search something, which Google, uh, in, I just sound really dodgy right now. But anyway, Yeah, well, they, you don't yeah. want Google to index it yet, Manny. <laughs> what are you searching? Um, yeah, no, I'm not doing anything dodgy, I promise you. No, but like, I, I just, it was quite interesting. The guy is actually... Um, the person is a researcher for computer security and he just did this video where it's like how to set up a certain search engine without Google, etc., and your privacy and stuff and the importance of it. And I set it up just watching a video because it's quite interesting computer security. It was less so to do with what I'm searching. Like if I'm honest, I set it up. I've actually never used it. I've just always used Google <laughs> still. So yeah, it's not yeah. really been a use. It's been a useful video to get some more context of what was going on rather than it being, oh, I'm literally going to use the other search engine. Uh, but like I said, I feel like when you kind of use these services online or applications, you've kind of implicitly agreed to the fact that they might have data on you. And if it, that isn't the case, then you might need to rethink what you're using. And it's very difficult because many people around the world use these platforms. How many people use Facebook? I can't even remember. I think it was, I, it went up to a billion the other, the couple, maybe a year ago, yeah, two years a year ago. ago yeah, exactly. One in seven people. Or an eighth of the population use Facebook. That is actually crazy. Yeah. And imagine saying to your mates, yeah, 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 bro, 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 sis, you jump off WhatsApp. Let's have a message on Signal. Like, <laughs> you might be laughed out of the room genuinely whatsapp has two billion users and it's like i know many people moved over but having that much of the market share it's very difficult to like 
try and navigate people to accommodate for you if you really care about privacy and there are ways to navigate like privacy in terms of like for, for example not using sms and perhaps using iMessage instead because it's encrypted or using a different messaging service on an android but like you said once it's online it's kind of not always it's, it's i'm not gonna say it's always going to be there but it's it's quite if someone can get into it and i feel like the terms of services are probably nowadays being more, way more important than ever because lots of people care more about their privacy um but I, I don't know about you joseph because i know we both own ds's but did you ever read, <laughs> yes. the, ever read the instructions because i tell you what i just charged it and i started playing it Bro, like, no I, one, I, yeah, no yeah. one reads that that's the terms of services literally it's like buying a ds for a kid they are not to reading it and they're just gonna just say okay that's literally it yeah i agree i've never once read the terms of service for anything in my entire life apart from my contract for i read the terms for that because I, that, that was a bigger deal you know, I wanted, to get my, I wanted to get what I was getting into all clued up. But that's the only time I've ever read Terms and Services. You know, I've got, I had a lot of tech, you know, in my life. I've had a PS2 when I was like eight years old. Did I read the Terms and Service? No, I was eight. You know, I'm 21 now. I got a Switch the other, like a few months ago. Did I read the Terms of Service for online? No, I agreed to it. I remember there was, um, there was an article about uh, a company that had in one of their Terms of Service was in order to use our application, you must donate one of your kidneys uh, upon, you know, upon your death. That was one of the things. And everyone still agreed to it. Everyone still agreed to donate their kidneys to use this application because no one read the terms of service. Thankfully, this was just done as, a, as like an experiment to check. But if this was to actually go through and actually happen, then everyone had their kidneys donated by now. It's like, it's it's silly how people can be so conspiratorial, but also still just go along with it. You know, I'm a bit conspiratorial, but I go along with it and I know that my data is being collected. I, you know, but the problem is when a lot of people don't know that their data is being collected, look at Edward Snowden and the NSA whistleblowing. That was mad. That was actually mad because their phones were being wiretapped by the FBI and their every message was being watched and people didn't know that. But when you know it's happening and then you're called to go along with it, then it's different because you're well aware that your message is being looked at. If you don't know that and you act as if you're not being watched and you act as if what you say is in true confidence, then it becomes a little bit more, uh, a little bit more depth to what's happening and what's going on there. You know, if, if the terms of service said, we're going to read your messages, a lot of people would be a lot less likely to use that service. But at the same time, people then could no longer complain about their privacy being infringed. So I, I think there needs to be some way of companies or corporations saying it straight up that yes, we're gonna give you information to Facebook, but it's only for ad targeted adverts. But then again, there's no way that you can confirm that this is the exact reason. You know, you mentioned the founder of Signal is a non-profit and he's doing it just because he loves cybersecurity. Okay, he may say that, but do we know his true intentions? Absolutely not. If you're conspiratorial enough to believe that WhatsApp is using our messages with Facebook to keep an eye on us, then you could also conceptually 
be conspiratorial enough to believe that the founder of Signal might not be as sincere as he first seems. So I just think that it needs to take a look at what you're being hypocritical of. If you're thinking, oh God, you're such a sheep still using WhatsApp. I'm going to use Signal. Well, you're still using an application that's downloaded by 2 million people. You're not off the grid, Brenda. You know, you're not offline. You're doing, you're, you're following a lot of people into this thing without actually potentially knowing. You just get told that it's private and it says that they're private. WhatsApp says they're private too. Now people are jumping off the bandwagon. Who says the same thing won't happen with Signal? And that's what I think people need to be wary about. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you giving that insight, to be honest, because I know what you're saying. Like, like when <laughs> lots of people say that um, Google is like, using data photographer ads, I'm like, that's better for me, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't want to see half these random ads that I don't really care about. Yeah, like, show me, show me my recent speaker that I bought on Amazon. I don't mind that. Show me whatever man whatever like literally if just show me these things and i I don't really mind because they, it kind of t- it tailor-made for what what you're about and what you enjoy so i don't really have an issue with it but i just wanted to kind of add this into the episode because one it was quite interesting and two someone recently actually contacted me about the gdpr rules and asked me what do i know about it and if they've gone about it the right way because they wanted some data to be um, getting rid of, of a site that they were trying to delete an account of. And it's quite interesting when someone really asks you that kind of question because, yes, I've learned it. Yes, I understand it. But n- now more than ever, lots of people have been jumping on this whole privacy thing, especially with this new news about WhatsApp and Facebook. And it really, I think in a way, it's kind of been a good thing for society in general because people are thinking about it more often and thinking about how they're online persona and presence can kind of be a way to work out who who you are and to an extent that's kind of what it should be because your online persona or online like account is an extension of you and it is yeah it is definitely quite interesting because lots some people like I said have been contacting me and I just wanted to chuck it in the episode because I think it'd be quite a nice touch to it because we don't really think about these things too often, do we, Joseph? And yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd definitely be great just to spread that awareness because I know lots of people don't think about it and then, like, no one's really worried about it. And to be honest, for the majority of us, we shouldn't be worried because you should just be able to go about your life using Google. It's a really useful tool. I feel like the, the positives of the drawbacks are definitely there. So... And it, now it just sounds like a Google ad to end of the episode, but no, literally that's not <laughs> Download Google, boys, download it. Um, but uh, yeah, just to, to add on to it, and in terms of the usefulness of, obviously, I don't want to say usefulness of having our privacy infringed, but the usefulness of looking at big data and looking at trends. I may have mentioned it before here, I don't know if I mentioned it to you before, was that a young woman in America was had a targeted ads and had an actual physical letter, newsletter sent home uh, from Walmart, uh, which had sponsored stuff and discounts on pregnancy tests and stuff for babies. And the dad emailed uh, Walmart and someone who worked there saying, what on earth are you doing? Why are you sending us these targeted pregnancy and toddler child related things? My daughter's not pregnant. She hasn't got a child or anything like that. Well, it turned out that they had seen her spending habits and they had collected the big data and they had seen 
that her spending habits were in line with expectant mothers. The father then found out a couple of weeks later that her, his daughter was in fact pregnant. Walmart knew this before her own father did because of big data, because of looking at the trend, looking at what people buy and thinking, this person has bought these things, now they want this. This is gonna be the most similar thing that will be getting purchased. And that was really an interesting story to me because it was a useful thing to send them to this discount, to give her these options of these things to buy that she may have not known about. And the father was so taken aback, like, oh my God, I, I can't believe this. And a lot of people couldn't believe it when the story came out either, but that's been happening all our lives. When we buy something with Tesco Club Card, when we do online shopping, we get targeted on, you should buy this because you've bought this. And like, well, actually, yeah, I might, I might need some mayo if I'm buying stuff to make a potato salad. I forgot about that. And that's useful. But it was also seen by some as an invasion of privacy. But then, what, so what if they're invading your privacy to tell you to buy some mayonnaise? <laughs> you know, it's, it's trivial sometimes, but the concept can be scary to see and it's about whether you trust a company enough to think they're just doing it for these reasons and there's no ulterior motives there and that to me was just such an eye-opening story about privacy and big data which i found fascinating and i thought i'd share it with you today i don't know if i've told you that before many or had this story before no I, ha I haven't actually heard that one before and i'm glad you mentioned it just to end off the episode because it, it's a really nice touch for you because despite like lots of people having their own like thoughts and opinions on the the whole thing it it, it was useful it just provided uh, a something that was really useful for the daughter in that household and it's, it's it's nice to see like in a way yes some people might be like it's kind of scary that they've worked out that she is pregnant before the father did and i get that school of thought but i also understand that the company have also gone about it in this case walmart to give them discounts and stuff and it's just it's just a nice touch really that big data isn't always useful ulterior motives or bad things in uh, bad things all the time or n not necessarily even all the time it maybe isn't even useful bad things at all and yes we know that there's big cases like you mentioned earlier about Cambridge Analytica and all these other companies that we probably haven't mentioned that are all over the news but at the end of the day I feel like there is some good from our data as well as bad, it's just which way you want to see it. And I feel like th in this example, it's, it's really shown what good it can be. So I'm really glad you shared that, Joseph. I appreciate it, Manny. And unless you've got anything else you'd like to add, I think uh, I'm happy with what we've been discussing. I find it, I find this stuff very interesting. So I'm glad we've been able to, to talk about it today, Manny. So I appreciate you, you putting that idea forward for us. No worries. I've really enjoyed it as well, Joseph. It's something a bit different. I feel like um, more recently on these podcasts, like uh, especially for the last few weeks, they have been a bit different and it's been nice to like venture out into different topics and it really has been a joy. Like last week especially was a really amazing episode and uh, just I can't wait to do more and I, like, I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. But to end off the episode, I just want to say thank you all for listening. We don't actually do advertisements except for our Instagram page, which is at the official DMC podcast, which will be linked in the Spotify description. If you could give us a follow there, that'd be really appreciated. And if you have any suggestions for the podcast episodes, people, ideas, or concepts you want us to go over, 
just send us a DM. We're more than willing to listen to your ideas because lots of these podcast episodes more recently have been come, coming from people as well, which has been quite fascinating and quite interesting actually, which has been great because I know me and Joseph, we do have a lot of ideas, but sometimes our list can be very exhaustive, but we go through a lot of things <laughs> and some of them might be a bit repetitive. So it's great to have the input of the listeners and it's been amazing. And also just give us a follow on Spotify. That would be really appreciated as well. Really helps with the podcast and the direction we're trying to go in. So if you did enjoy, this is the DMC signing off.